We're live streaming. <sighs> and we're Folks, live. Uh, it is value after hours on at its regularly scheduled time. I am Tobias Carlisle, joined as always by Bill Brewster and Jake Taylor. A few of us are playing hurt today, but we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> this guy looks better than he feels, and he doesn't look very good. Oh boy, Lots I don't actually. I don't actually feel that bad. Shout out to marijuana, because if it was all booze, man, I'd be feeling real bad right now. Anyway, yes, it is a Tuesday, and yes, I did rage on a Monday. Take your judgment elsewhere. I was I was doing Comcast due diligence. My buddy has a uh he got like one of those sprinter vans, you know? Like uh so it's decked out, it's got massage chairs. And he was like, let's get a driver and let's get six of the dads and let's like go rage at Halloween horror nights. So since I'm interested in Comcast, I naturally said yes because it's part of work. Tax deductible. Yeah, Universal right. Studios. No doubt. I don't need to deduct anything because I didn't even need to pay anything at the end of all this. I think I owe somebody for the ticket. But uh, anyway, uh, we get in, watch some uh, Game of Thrones or uh, House of the Dragon on the way up. Had a gummy. Uh, <laughs> had some high noons. And uh, I don't know. I felt kind of bad about doing this. But the guy is the type of guy that like he could sell. I, I, he, he, we skipped a lot of lines and we weren't supposed to skip the lines, but like he would just go up to, to people and he'd be like, look, it's my birthday. He had his kid's birthday pin on and like he, he, his kid's name is uh, Mav or whatever. <laughs> so he's like, it's my birthday. And Kevin told me that I could skip the line. And this person looked at him on Velociraptor, which is an insane coaster. It's fantastic. The guy's like, Kevin didn't say that. And, or no, first he was like, the guy, there's no Kevin here. And my buddy was like, yes, there is. The guy told me his name was Kevin and he told me to come here. Long story short, the guy lets us in. I, I don't know how it happened. My buddy made up a name and then eventually got caught by this nice woman, Leah. Shout out to Leah. She kicked us off the rides. She's listening. A- at 5.30, she's got to. It's a good podcast. Some say the best in finance. I Many are saying it. I don't many, know. Many are saying it. Many are saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, man. Anyway, so then uh, then we went to the Hard Rock, had some surf and turf, pounded some lobster, ate enough seafood to give myself gout, and uh, <laughs> and then we went back for more rides. So it was a rager. Got home at 3 a.m., on a Monday, Jesus. I guess a Tuesday. And uh, here I sit because I love you all, but don't expect anything smart out of me today. So it really was just like the the psychology studies where they, you know, cut in front of the line at the copier. And all they have to say is, because... well, I, I, I need to make copies. You know, it's... Dude, it's like he calls it the power of suggestion. I'm sure he hasn't invented it, but he just like says it with such authority. I mean, this Harry Potter ride that we skipped the line, I felt so bad doing it, but I've never done anything like that before. And like, he just walked in the back of the ride. And, and this girl, Leah, said that we couldn't do it. And he's like, okay, you're Leah, you're the team lead. And she said, yes. He goes, okay, good. Walks around the back and he's like, Leah, the team lead told me it's my birthday and I can go in here. <laughs> anyway, Leah was waiting for us at the end of that ride. And that's when, that's when we got shut down, deservedly so. But uh, I rode the front of most of the coasters, had a fantastic time. We spent enough money. I don't feel that bad about skipping some lines. Comcast made out pretty well. Like I said, I didn't even, I mean, somebody picked up dinner. Somebody picked up the driver. Like, I really won yesterday. You are playing with house money. Yeah, I guess I got to pay it forward. So eventually I'll lose. But there's probably some eight-year-old at the end of that line who didn't get to go on the ride because you cut to the front and he got to. I almost feel bad for that kid. (laughs) He had a really hard lesson. I know. But, you know, his dad needs to be more of an alpha male. What can I tell you? You're suggesting that society just breaks down at the seams with this kind anarchy, of anarchy, baby. <laughs> I, anarchy. I, I don't like doing that stuff. That's very not me. I was very uncomfortable, but it was also pretty fun to be able to do. So anyway, I like Universal. Universal is a good park. 
a lot of people around here that like going to parks are saying that Disney is pricing themselves out of something. And SeaWorld comes up as a very reasonable uh, alternative. Pull up through SeaWorld stock. It's a three and a half X over the last five years. Bang. Imagine that. Is that like after a total crater or something? In COVID? I think it's yeah, I think it's no, no. It actually did fine during COVID. I think it's after Blackfish. the uh, Yes, I think that Shamu documentary was not kind to that entity. <laughs> Poor Shamu. Yeah. Yeah, that was buying. Buying then was blood on the streets, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I didn't understand how good their uh, coaster offering is. They have really good coasters. So that's where my birthday party is going to be. If you want to come to Bill's 41st, I'll be chilling at SeaWorld, ripping coasters. <laughs> Do they let you get in the tank with them? When... Uh... <laughs> I don't care about the animals. I want to ride the. Leah, the coasters. teammate, says that I'm allowed to get in the tank. Yeah. Like, oh, just jump in. <laughs> All right, mate, go for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Leah. <laughs> Leah probably would want us to jump in the tank yesterday. Let me give some uh, shout outs to uh, Liege, Belgium, Gothenburg, Chapel Hill, Tbilisi, Mechelen, Belgium, Dubai, Madison, Wisconsin, Turku, Finland, Valparaiso. All right. Jack, Yorkshire, UK. Lisbon, Minneapolis. Wow. I said Dubai. Norberg, Sweden, Glenview, Quebec. That's a good spread. That is a good spread. What's your topic today, JT? What do you got on deck? A <sighs> uh, little dramatic foreshadowing with my background here, but uh, I'm going to be talking about this concept called pace layering. Cool. Uh, how about you? I needed a pace layer myself yesterday. Yeah, you, you didn't pace your layers. Oof. I've got, I've just got a few topics uh, just for conversation. Uh, P ratio performance in the 70s. So we've got quintile breakdown of strong P's. to quite strong. Well, it depends on what you paid. Okay. Uh, we had a yield curve inversion. We just had just the tip of a it's yield happening. curve inversion. <laughs> One day, which is not the Cam Harvey. The Cam Harvey special is uh, you need the whole quarter. You need, you need 90 days or something like that. Oh, really? What? I 90 days. I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> One and you're in. No, I, I went back and I had a look at the paper. Unfortunately, it's it requires the whole 90 days, so it didn't qualify. And then uh, my definition of a bear it came so close, didn't quite get there, but I, I want to talk about that. Uh, hope, H-O-P-E, and uh, funky behavior in the VIX. So I got a few. Mm. Well, good, because I'm going to need to ride off you guys today. <laughs> going to be doing some... Uh some layering yourself <laughs> yeah i'm not as i'm not but 3 a.m i'm too old for that yeah that's the that's the real hangover is the lack of sleep yeah let me uh let me yeah. let me kick it off with uh so the the yield curve inversion has typically what, what the cam harvey paper which has been very predictive of recessions i think it's had um Every Nine time of the last five. No, no, I think it's oh. cool. I don't think it's had any <laughs> false positives since okay. he wrote the paper. It was like an eighty-six paper, something like that. So it's it's including including the uh, the COVID crash. How did it know? What's the conspiracy there? That it it picked the COVID crash, but it um, the idea is that the the three month treasury has to yield more than the 10 year treasury. And it has to do that for 90 days. And that's his signal. And so w last week, uh, well, Wednesday last week, we, we inverted, but we only inverted very briefly for a day and we're back out of inversion. So that's it. It doesn't count, but it's, um, if that happens, then, you know, there are a lot of other knock on effects like the the drawdown then becomes a drawdown in a recession which means that the potential for a drawdown is much deeper than it otherwise is just an interesting data point so is it still inverted right now no it all, it uninverted almost immediately uh, just still mm. very close it's just still, the just the tip of inversion it's it's that very strange shape it's that broken finger treasury yield curve is still there it's it's very close it could go back into it at any, at any point um, let me do, let me do. No, so it yield curve isn't inverted right now is mortgage rates. It's not. Inverted. Yeah. Where are they at? 722 uh, was the average last I saw. Yeah. Uh, fixed. The mortgage is too damn high. That's amazing. Too damn, too damn expensive to move. It had a two handle on it not that long ago. It's crazy. Oof. What's crazy is people lock that in for 30 years. 
Yeah, yeah. Did you buy the house at Free the same money. time? I guess. I mean, if you can afford the payment and you like the house, who cares? Well, you just don't have the optionality anymore. That's right. You got to like a house. Turns out it's a long-lived asset. <laughs> that, what's the average holding, though? Is like seven years or something? Yeah, well, the average person, I think, moves seven times, but you get a lot of moves when you're young. Mm. A lot of renting moves. Stuff Not like anymore. That. Then you got idiots like me. Well, yeah, they rent, but they're it's not going to be cheap to rent. Uh, I they this need was... old people to die. Get those houses on is that the what market. It is? That's what, I think that's what Ivy Zellman says. I don't know. I haven't seen. She's sharp, though. I've got uh, also U.S. stock market performance by P.E. ratio in the 70s. So just uh, there's a reasonable chance that what we're going into looks something like the 70s or, you know, with inflation and uh, high asset prices. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm it's sure dumb. they're going to come back. Okay. My my nine-year-old updated her jeans and they were bell bottoms. I was like, no. oh, God, we're going no. back into that, are we? Oh, polyester, please, no. <laughs> That'd be sweet, man. Can disco come back? I, th- I feel like you you would do well in that kind of seventies outfit. Like it it works for your nah with this style. pair of body type. No way. Ah, you can hide it under a big <laughs> billowy shirt, <laughs> bro. I'd need one of those. Uh, what do women wear sometimes? Spanx. Like sex in their center. That's what I need. Yeah. So this was a Jeff Weniger, who's um, sorry, Jeff uh, Wisdom Tree head of equities. Um, U.S. stock market performance by P ratio in the seventies divided into five buckets. Most expensive uh, P ratio for the seventies delivered a twenty five point eight percent performance over the full ten years. So in sixty nine, there was a historic bear market began, um, and uh, that lasted until seventy four. So there was a crash. There was a little rally, and there was a second crash. Seventy three and seventy four were the one that broke a lot of hearts. Uh, and then there was a pretty good rally after that, but it, they they performed in rank order. So the cheapest PE ratios delivered two hundred and thirteen percent over the full over the full ten years. But that was from really from nineteen seventy four because it was down in nineteen seventy four, and then everything else one hundred and ninety nine percent from the second decile, one hundred and eighteen from the third, ninety seven from the fourth, and twenty five point eight from the most expensive. So that would be quite a change from what we've seen over the last decade, where it was basically inverted. Kind of interesting. It's my my argument for deep value, but um, it's also the the ordinary experience over the full full period. What do you guys think? Better companies, cheaper companies. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure this shit out. I, I think. Uh, I think like. Yeah, I don't know. Well. The under- it should work. It should work <laughs> unless this time's different. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't Good know. Point. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I'm, I'm always leery of these type of analogs from time periods. I mean, there's always something that's kind of different between each one that makes it hard to compare, but they rhyme. Uh, yeah. You know, 70s probably with maybe rising rates, high starting valuations, um inflation inflation cocktail mixed all together yeah i could it's not the craziest thing i've ever heard to think of that that might be the next decade i think the reason that the 70s get brought up is because it was the last really bad decade that we had 80s was a pretty good decade 90s was a good decade early 2000s pretty good decade and the last the 2010s have been a good decade you're flat 2000 to 2010 on the market but if you were value, you were crushing. Oh, okay. You're only talking about value, guys. Got it. Well, there there were po- you know there were pockets of people who were doing quite well. Yeah. In 2000, I guess that was true in the 70s as well. But it was it's it's mostly remembered as a decade of like when I think of the 70s, it's like serial killers and uh, <laughs> and like lines for people filling up their cars for, for gas, like stagflation, sound sound pretty awful. Bell bottoms, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Shitty cars. The 60s had better cars. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Just like really ugly color choices for everything, too. It seemed like, huh? Burnt orange, <laughs> brown. Yeah. 
there's a little bit of that now. What's what's up with that um, communist grey that they're painting on all the cars? That like matte grey color. Oh yeah, matte, like matte cement. Gray. I think they uh, call it. I don't know. Sometimes that looks cool. When I first Tommy saw that, gray. when I first Tommy saw that, I thought that's because there's some supply chain issue and they haven't been able to like mix the actual. Oh, we don't have shiny paint. paint anymore. <laughs> it's just that whatever it is, communist grey is what I started calling it. You, you thought that was good. That Matt's a pain in the ass. Really? Why is that? Uh, it's a pain in the ass to wash. I don't think it's actually Matt. I think it. I think it just looks. It looks Matt. It looks awful. Anyway, a lot of them. Uh, a lot of people now are doing wraps. So if you see yeah, like funky yeah. paint colors, they're just wraps instead. Like a little bit of expel. Yeah. Help on the, help on the wrap front. Yeah. It's not a low PE stock, but I bet it works. High return on invested capital. Is yeah, that what it is. That's how it I got into your world. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good business, good balance sheet, and so on. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Well, since I added it, I don't know where it is, but it's done right. Um, how about how about this one? Uh, the the twenty twenty two has been um. The daily declines in the S&P 500 in 2022 have only been exceeded by 2008, which was the global financial crisis, and 2002, which is the dot-com bubble. And yet, I don't feel like there's a lot of panic around. And that's certainly, I think that's been reflected in the in the VIX as well. Do you guys have any, is that anecdotal view fair? Do you think that nobody's really panicked yet? Yeah, I don't think people have panicked. I'm sure there's spots. I think it's been seems like a relatively like orderly liquidation, as an one might call it. Liquidation. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's what I think too. <clears throat> yeah, bad news if you're dependent upon tail risk uh, yeah. hedging type of uh insurance because it just hasn't really paid off in this slow burn but there's uh spitznagel was talking about this uh recently or i think he wrote an article about it and he was he likes to make that analogy to forests always and like forest fires and saying now the fed is doing a controlled burn effectively and that that can very easily get away from them as controlled burns sometimes do become uncontrolled and if so then that's you know, he'll his tail risk offering will probably look pretty good then. So who knows? He's always yeah, he kind of has to talk his book, but doesn't mean he's necessarily wrong about the the uh, that control burns can get away from you. It's always something to worry about. James Chapman says bond guys are panicking. I don't know enough about the bond, but I have heard that. Yeah, it does yeah. feel like you hear more. Uh, like market plumbing problems and especially in the bond world. Just there was a tweet today. I don't know how significant it is, but they said, well, the JGBs have gone on bid the last few sessions because the BAJ sits above all of the, the market participants taking everything out. So there's no record of any of the transactions going through, which evidently that's unusual. It's a pretty deep market there. Really? They're buying every single one. So there's no pricing. They're just, they're just buying above where the market sits. <laughs> does it, I mean, that has to have some long-term consequence, doesn't it? They've been doing it for a long time, though. I know. They? They've been kind of messing with that market for a long time. I mean, they invented the term quantitative easing, and the US adopted that later. Maybe that doesn't translate the same. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, we've been <laughs> lost in translation. Yeah, it's a funny market. It's a... If you had, if you've had any VIX, you know, VIX hedges, they just haven't paid off. Hmm. And it oh, sucks if you're down that much on your equities and your bonds, and your your vol hasn't paid off. Yeah, and you paid a bunch of insurance premium that never came in. I mean, that's an argument. Yeah, but maybe what were you hedging? The market going down. Should have bought puts or something. Yeah, well, that's right. That's like when you start to get a little cute on a derivative thought, and you get screwed on the derivative, even though your thought was right. Not enough. Not enough convexity on the regular put product. That's probably right. Yeah. 
and why watch the puts probably got crushed by ball crush or something so you lost every which way but you would have got paid on the strike right you could have got paid on the strike <clears throat> yeah if you were yeah and if you had bought like more in the money puts and had less uh what is it vegan and or whatever I mean, that's a that's an argument for the Fed doing a pretty good job, isn't it? That if it is a control burner, they have just managed to like they've sunk the market twenty something percent, which is a lot. And uh, so far, there's been no panic. I mean, they they just and I think that Jay Powell was sort of he was saying that was the uh, that was the goal with the property market as well, right? With real estate, that they could. I think that that one's turned over yet, has it? Maybe a little bit, starting to. It's like eventually. Last, I think the last three months are down. It's down a little bit over the last three months, but it hasn't it hasn't made any noise yet. No, <clears throat> I'm sure the hive mind can correct us on that if we're talking out of our asses. I, th- I think I think probably certain parts have. Well, where's it going to start? What goes it's first? Vegas, is it the most Phoenix, speculative parts, or is it Florida? Dude, yeah. Boise, Boise had like I think tertiary explosion. Denver. Fuck that. Uh, yeah, outside, I could see inside Denver being relatively strong through here. It's a supply and demand issue. Uh, but yeah, like on that, I mean, tertiary markets, they, you know, it's always places that people, if if people wanted to live there, they would have been developed already. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's not like you're getting the cream of the crop here. That's manifest destiny. (laughs) If people wanted to live there. They'd be there already. Yeah, that's yeah. It's like when I had a, a teacher at Auburn that used to talk, and people would be like, "Oh man, it's so cheap down here." And my teacher would be like, "That's because no one wants to live here. I don't know what to tell you. It's supply and demand." Oh man, man, stop being an ass. <laughs> I vote that you do an entire show with your southern accent at one point. Oh man, <laughs> we had these guys above us. It would feel like somebody got body slammed on the on the, the ceiling and then this the, our like entire apartment would shake and then they'd be like Whoa! i was like oh they, god like, these, they wrestle it a, up there or what yeah i don't know this one guy every time he drank a beer he'd be like Whoa, just drank beer I'd be like, <laughs> all right cool man i don't need to hear it every time drank a lot of them too anyway there's a there's a there's this is why people come here yeah <laughs> there's an acronym uh h-o-p-e which is the way that the data shows up in the the the, the lag in data so it's housing goes first and housing hasn't done anything yet this is for a recession housing goes first and then employment goes last and the chart that uh what's in between had- there o and p i i, I forget <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly nice. don't know nice <laughs> This is hard hitting stuff. I here. could Keep, guess. I could guess. No, that's that'll be even better. <laughs> I just I just remember it because that's all everybody always looks at um employment, like to point uh, it's still it's still a strong economy. Like everybody's there's still lots of employment. And uh, Ensemble pointed out uh they, they compared CPI jobs and the S P five hundred, and this is again seventy-two to seventy-five. And basically, uh fascinating to note job growth was positive for the first year of the recession. While S and P five hundred declined, when job growth went negative, stocks started a monster rally. Yeah, we need people to lose their jobs, lose your jobs, and it's get like a depression rally. so stocks can go up. Please, that, that's not a good look. But that's like that's that's the case. It seems yeah. to be the case. Time to lose your jobs. I mean, is this that is that that bad news, good news inversion thing that we're dealing with? Where I think it's because the market. This is going to be terrible. Therefore, Fed's going to do more. Therefore, I'm going to get rich as I don't a think stock it is. investor. I, th- I think it's. I think it's because the market tends to be more for the market tends to react <laughs> before. Yeah, I think that's right. Everything so, else happens, so the market lag issue here. And the report that for whatever I don't know why employment would be the last to go because I've seen lots of lots of big tech anyway has let lots of people go. Musk's got a plan for Twitter as well, which is like seventy five percent of seventy five hundred. Employees. That's yeah. I don't know that that's true, but I don't know that it's not. I certainly know that's a negotiating position. Well, I just start with 75. You, know, you only cut 50, then you're a hero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and say that you think some people are like not going to work there anymore. Uh, you might float that story to get them to leave naturally before you actually take over yeah. and like. If Skip you think it's a bunch of weak people over there, maybe 
get him out. He he didn't. I don't think that that article claimed that final staffing was going to be there. It's kind of like, you know, I know what it says, but I don't know what it says type thing. You dig? Yeah. Those uh, those day in a life videos that you see from some of these tech company employees. Boy, those are not looking very good right now, right? Where they're to be fair, she can't really go and film her, what she actually does when she's working. So she's filming around the work in a one minute TikTok. I mean, I could put together a one minute TikTok of me just scrolling Twitter all day long. Like, <laughs> Damn, this, this guy does nothing. Got it. He's got it made. <laughs> My day in the life yesterday would have been epic. <laughs> Still, the optics of it, right? Not not great. Not good, Bob. <laughs> yeah. She, well, the funny thing was that she works at Meta and she posted it on, on, on a, TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Yeah. Oops. That would not be the work at Meta for too much longer. Not yeah, good, that's the, not that's good. the trap. <laughs> to have and she's a caller. It said she was a product manager. I mean, I, I don't know what that means, but that, that sounds important. I don't know. That's like a banking term. Has the word She'd manager be- in it. <laughs> yeah, but they might be very low, right? You might just manage a tiny little product. Manage yourself. Yeah, that's what a shoof. Solo Prosperity says housing never went in the TMT bubble period. I'm guessing that's the dot-com bubble period, but employment did, naturally. Employment fell over. But yeah, so housing wasn't the leading indicator. Was that a recession? Was that was that in Canada as a recession, 2000, 2002? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like it. Sorry, I was in Australia. Australia hasn't had one since 1992. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> It's because you guys were pumping all those commodities over to yeah. China. Good luck with That's that. Right. We were beneficiaries of the super cycle. Good luck with that going forward. Need another super cycle. Who's next? What's going on over there? Yeah, I, I just the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. This I got no idea. Yeah, what's There's every time I say anything about China, somebody power? pops in. They're like, "Our zero COVID policy is rational." No, it's not. <laughs> I saw. There you go. I saw you got a nice shout out today on Twitter, Billy, for uh, your little uh, crossing swords with Munga. I don't uh, cross swords. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't. I have no joy in Charlie being wrong. Uh, well, I think it's I, a little early to be like declaring, but I don't think that you were necessarily talking directly about Barbara there, were we? No, the I, the, the, the thing that is funny about how this whole thing is played out is I asked him about quality companies. And then he launches into this thing about China that's completely t- unrelated to what I asked him. And he was like, he was like a very snippy. Yeah, he was. yeah. You know, so like it is kind of funny to see him get that tone and then be wrong. But whatever. I mean, you know, I, you I don't like when Munger's wrong. It's like, the, I'm not going to root Munger, my right? hero to be wrong. That doesn't make any sense. But he's yeah. not necessarily wrong yet either, right? Like this has got. Just because you got an ugly, the 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 underlying business is spectacular, right? Well, I think I think this is more about uh, China generally, uh, and whether or not they're going more to a a more open and hopeful society or one that's closer to dictatorship. And I I don't know enough to know, but I do know enough to know that the hive mind thinks they know, and the hive mind thinks, uh, no bueno, monger. I don't know how it works, but the, Xi Jinping's in for his third term. Do you, is that what you call it? I'm, I don't even want to go down this path because it's only going to expose how dumb we are. The only thing I know is, according to the internet, a man got removed from a room, and I don't I think that's that one, a great yeah. thing to have happen to you in China. Well, somebody says that they thought it was because he was going to say something, but I, I looked at it, and he looked just pretty confused to me. I don't know. That could yeah, happen. That poor old guy was like, what are you doing? I'm just sitting here. Let me hang. So the question, but the question is Careful then, with your word choice, is China completely uninvestable? And do you own what you think you own? Yeah. Sort of depends. Do you own Starbucks? Do you own Nike? Like if you own those two, you got to think it's somewhat investable. They've got exposure some mechanism. You're not going to get, you, you might, you might lose a limb there, but you're not going to lose the, the Bro, whole thing. You're getting permanent capital impairment. If, if, Starbucks China growth is gone. I don't know what's that stock trade at. It's come down a fair amount, actually. It's not as quite as egregious as it was. Okay, well, I mean, this is this is silly, you know, current stuff. But you're looking at a stock trading at north of a thirty-three times cash flow multiple. I gotta think there's some China growth in there. 
That's fair. Is that where it's trading now? Yeah, man. $97 billion market cap, $117 billion enterprise value. Trailing, obviously, it's going to grow like this. Is, is, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, trailing cash flows, $3 billion. Is um, 2019 or 2018, $10 billion free cash flow. So, you know, ah, Starbucks always wins. It's like Costco like that. It's a strong brand for sure. And it has an addicted user base. Tell you what's taking my Starbucks habit away is Celsius. That watermelon Celsius. I don't allow myself to have it too often, but I like crave that stuff. What's what's in it? Is it caffeine? It can't be good for you. Yes. (laughs) Whatever. Sugar. Uh, nah, there's some sugar, yeah, but not a ton. It's fentanyl mostly like it's actually the active ingredient. <laughs> fentanyl is scary shit. Uh the uh no, it's like it's like hyper caffeinated and you know, some uh vitamin concoction found in Boca Raton. Good luck. Really? So that's so like Flintstone vitamins ground up and sprinkled in there. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't trust any any company from Boca. <laughs> I had a Dayquil over the weekend. I got to say, the Dayquils are a little bit disappointing these days since they got rid of the the speed. Yeah, that's oh, a yeah? shame. Let some kids yeah. get some speed. What are we doing? I remember those giving you a pretty good high when you were a kid, but they definitely don't. Uh, they definitely don't do that now. Now you got to show ID when you buy it. Come well, on, with this, this let a kid snort a Dayquil. Where, where are we living? <laughs> Didn't do anything. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Want one of those fentanyls, dude? That stuff scares me. That's that that and porn really worry me for the children. Anyway, that's a different episode. We can do that conversation on my podcast. Hopefully, not mixed together. <laughs> Jesus, no, that'd be terrible. Uh, JT, you want to you want to give us a palate cleanser here? Yeah, we'd better do it. We before. certainly need it. We've derailed. I'll tell you what, do you guys listen to Tim Dillon? No. I'm convinced on his current podcast, he was trying to see if he could lose sponsors. Oh, yeah. It's one to listen to. Pulling up. I, I won't repeat it. Yeah, he's 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 going for it. Whew. Colin Moore's in Mallorca. Good for you. <laughs> We're back Sorry. to the part of the show. Hello from New York. Yeah, it's, it happens all the time. I'll give shout outs forever. <laughs> We've gone back to the intro. Okay. What time is it? <laughs> 11 o'clock on the East Coast. All right. Uh, so this segment is on pace layering, uh, and it's uh, comes from this guy, Stuart Brand, who is an author, and um, he's kind of a thought leader on a bunch of, like, he kept up this, this, uh, this uh, compendium, I guess you would call it, of kind of the, the earth. Um, and he's just done a lot of interesting work and I got to give a shout out to my boy, Paul in Ireland, who reminded me about this topic when, uh, we were having a chat and I had, I'd read this paper a couple of years ago and then just kind of totally forgot about it. Uh, but it, it's, it has to do with like, how do you manage change and how do complex systems learn and keep learning? And it was actually born out of a study of architecture. And so, you know, like how do the different parts of a, of a building change and how often do they change? So going from fastest to slowest, and this is what Brand like uh, laid out at the very beginning was, so things like stuff, like furniture and paint, those things turn over the fastest within a building. And then the space plan, like the layout within it can change, you know, like non-load bearing walls, things like that. Services, water and power, things like that uh, change then at a slower rate. The skin of it, it changes it like the exterior and then the structure skeleton of it. And then finally, like the the actual land site itself. And it, you know, this pace layering, it makes sense from architecture, but it also has a bunch of other like explanatory power for different domains. So my, my background here shows um, the order that, that brand lays it out in, in moving from fastest to slowest fashion and then commerce and then infrastructure then governance, and then culture, and then finally nature. So, you know, uh, Brand says that that fast learns and slow remembers. Fast proposes, slow disposes. Fast is discontinuous, slow is continuous. 
fast and small instruct slow and big by a crude innovation and by occasional revolution. Slow and big controls small and fast by constraint and con consistency, constancy. And fast gets all of our attention, but slow has all the power. So there's a mother nature equivalent of this, uh, which is there's like a hierarchy basically between it for the scale and the time that's used, uh, the size and and the, the amount of time that changes. So first, it, it, you know, the needles of a pine tree change annually with the seasons. The tree crowns that the, the needles grow out of change over several years. The pat the um the the patch of trees changes over decades. The the stand that's like a you know a a, com a combination of patches changes every hundred years or so, and the forest every thousand years ish, and then the biome over tens of thousands of years. And so all of these things have this interplay between them. Um, so and it, what's interesting, actually, like the turbulence and like the slippage between the boundaries of of these pace layers is where all of the interesting things are happening. That's where there's a lot of uncertainty, surprise, innovation. And it's almost like intertidal zones in the ocean where like there's a lot of action that's happening right where the ocean kind of meets the land. There's a lot of animals. There's a lot of energy exchanged. Uh, so if you're kind of picturing plate tectonics from looking at this, like you're probably thinking about it, right? So to give some like, let's make this a little bit more concrete uh, per brand. If commerce, that layer is a is allowed by the governance and culture, which is is a slower changing thing to push nature. At a, at a relatively fast commercial pace, then you risk the loss of that kind of natural support of forests and fisheries and aquifers and all the natural resources that support all the layers above it. Um, any governance system like in that little middle area that that doesn't change, that it, if it changes slower than culture and nature, then it ends up typically being in you know a revolution. And so that's like, think about like earthquakes that happen from the fall of the Soviet Union or like the French Revolution, like the that governance layer wasn't changing as fast as culture was. And so, you know, perhaps China today might fall somewhere within there if they have a very ossified structure of governance that's not adapting. Um, that's just a hypothesis. I'm not saying that's true necessarily. Uh, it's interesting that as people get older, they, their interests tend to drift more towards these lower layers and less towards the higher layers. Um, like older people, you know, they, they tend to lock in their clothing choices and their hairstyles, right? And from decades ago, they're, they're not as concerned about fashion, but young people are much more interested in, in fashion uh, and less so in things like culture, like languages and religion uh, tend to fall under that culture. Um, so, you know, whether it's social media memes or dance crazes or whatever the hell's going on that, you know, has this lifespan of a fruit fly, like it tends to be young people who are, are in that that kind of mindset and the older people are thinking about some of the, the slower changing things. Um, the job of, of fashion and art is to explore the, the space and push boundaries and provide activation energy for commerce. So think about like the automobile redesigns that happen every year, right? Like there's a refresh of every single car and its design. Um, and occasionally good ideas sift downward from these upper layers and then get installed. And that this is how the, these pace layers are able to incorporate change and, and make progress and learn actually, but without allowing the whole system to just like get out of control. Um, infrastructure typically has the longest pay, like has long payback periods, right? Like to build a bridge, that's going to run for 50 years. Uh, it, it, it often requires the intervention of a governance layer. Uh, like the commercial world doesn't think in such short, long timeframes. And so, you know, of course, this can also go horribly wrong if the government is this guiding hand that's misallocating capital into projects that turn into things that people don't actually end up wanting, uh, like ghost cities, things like that. Um, and if you, you know, we talked, to, I think last week about uh, Russell Napier's, uh, his recent interview where he talked about how CapEx being guided by the hand of government over the next decade. And like, I, I would say, like, keep your eyes open for the potential of a misallocation of capital over the next 10 years. Um, another interesting thing is that like these deeper, slower moving layers, they turn exponential curves into S curves, right? Like, so it's something that seems to be going exponentially like a rapidly dividing bacteria, you know, in a Petri dish 
it runs into a resource wall, like something like a nat nature slows it down. And now you end up with an S curve or even, you know, falling over, um, 19th century robber barons, uh, you know, the, the Carnegie's and the, uh, Vanderbilt. yeah, the Vanderbilt's, uh, those, those type of guys, you know, they ran into this governance layer of the Sherman antitrust act. Um, I, you know, you could say like Amazon prime really got going and was able to do this free shipping quote unquote, because they, they really leaned on this kind of creaking infrastructure of the U S postal service for a long time until eventually it was, it was forced to invest in its own infrastructure, uh, all these delivery vans that you see driving around now. So anyway, I think this, the, there's the different things that you can analyze with this pace layer kind of mental model, I think offer some interesting insights, you know, maybe it's not the be all end all of mental models, but it's something interesting to, to filter through as you're looking and evaluating as far as how are things changing and how do successful systems actually integrate change into them so that they don't become too brittle. That's interesting, JT. There's this uh, many investors try to avoid things that are fashion. Does that is that the same fashion? Like avoid that high high paced. Yeah, right. So uh, <clears throat> the this might be able like the difference between like to uh, understand. Let's say that you could buy a hula hoop company for half a book value or energy company for half a book value, which one would you maybe hang your hat on more of having relevant staying power and, you know, eventually becoming, uh, you know, not being just a flash in the pan necessarily. This, this might help you to sort out where does something fall within that? How would you to describe energy infrastructure commerce? Yeah, probably somewhere in between those two. Uh, maybe even nature, like the physics of, of how we all live is based on hydrocarbons today. So you, you take that peg out and the modern world just collapses. So what about stuff like, uh, payment systems? Is that commerce or is that infrastructure like Visa, MasterCard, that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, the, go with infrastructure. Yeah, definitely the rails of the visas and MasterCards seem very infrastructure-like. Uh, but so rails are infrastructure. But there's a lot of, I mean, there's. I, mean, so I think many a lot of software is as infrastructure. Yeah, I think so. And maybe this is a uh, the difference between uh, you know maybe a, a social media network being a little bit more in the fashion area and a little bit less in the infrastructure area of as far as. That's an interesting point because I think that that's true of social media in general, but I wonder if something like, I hate to say it, but I think Twitter's like infrastructure now. Yeah. I kind of think it's getting towards infrastructure. Could be. I've, I read something interesting recently about like product market fit and that's, which is a big you know topic for a startup. And the, the analogy that was used was that if you don't have product market fit, it feels like you're rolling the boulder up the hill all day long. And when you're, when you do have product market fit, it's like you're chasing the boulder down the hill. Um, <laughs> and like Twitter clearly found some product market fit. Right. And like this whole, you know, clown car crashing into a gold mine that, that Zuckerberg said, like, clearly they found product market fit and have been chasing that boulder down the hill. Yeah. I don't know why it's so hard to run profitably, but evidently it is. Yeah, no, no forcing function to do so thus far. Disintermediated yeah, that's ownership fair. group. Uh, well, you also have a CEO that doesn't even care if it's a company. So there's that or ex CEO mm -hmm. <clears throat> who wants it to be a public protocol. Is he doing something in that space? Maybe that hurts a little bit. <laughs> You know, the profit driving. Well, he was only doing it part-time too. Yeah. You have a one-fourth CEO. Yeah. No, I don't know. Poor Twitter. <laughs> is that going to close? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, man. How do you feel? The market kind of thinks so, huh? What's the spread? It's pretty minimal now, isn't it? No, I think it's sort of closed wide. up and blew up. It's like 52 now and it's... Yeah, but you're talking about what, like a week? Ah, uh, 53. 53. Yeah. 
That ain't. I mean, all indications are that they're going to close. That seems like all downside there from if you're trying to make that bet today. Yeah, well, you just need one thing to break, right? But that's the, I mean, that's the problem with merger arb generally. You've got a lot of little wins and then you get whacked. This one, you could, there were times where that spread blew out though pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's not always picking up pennies in front of the steamroller. No, that's right. And I mean, you know, there are people that are really good at merger arb that have made really good careers at it. It's just generally is a risk skew, not. Yeah, my favorite. Definitely truncated, known upside and deleterious <laughs> downside. Yeah, and I feel like too you gotta like. I mean, you don't have to do anything, but I feel like I would have to size it, and I don't. I don't love stuff like that. So you got to lever it up. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then bro down. <laughs> so I got a. I've got a game. I tweeted this out last week. Uh, you have to pick a stock or credit for the next 12 months, long or short, no derivatives. The winner is the investment that loses the most. We've played this game before. Yeah. It's, it's not an easy game to win. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. You're telling me I want something that's going to lose. So the few of the, when I tweeted this out, a few of the suggestions that I got shop long. Nah, maybe. Uber long. Ugh. I Got don't a lot think of shops, that, actually. I Tesla think... beyond. Tesla Open. long or short? Uh, it was long. Beyond? Beyond meat? Yeah, that one could be a zero. Open? Open door? Mm. Beyond's a pretty good pick. Beyond might be my pick. Uh... Someone's got a short Carvana. Pretty good argument, actually. The upside's very high, and the chance, however small or big it may be, that everything works out for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're saying a short on Carvana could lose the most. Yes. Yeah. Over twelve months. Yeah. Yeah, I could right. see that become like a face ripper of a short covering. I could yeah. see that stock go a lot higher. We get a you few in the, the screen here. Short yeah. Tesla. Short Tesla. Beyond meat long. I'm guessing. Long Australian New Zealand banks are beyond short. Yeah, I think beyond meets gonna pop to the upside. I'd, I'd be, I think, a long beyond has what's good, uh, amazing is how you could almost make arguments long or short on any of these as being the, the winner of it. It's like that's what makes this game devilishly difficult, huh? It's yeah. got it's a very it's a contrarian, contrarian game, it's a hard one. The biggest loser. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing that's tough is you're going to have something that's down like 80%, you know? Entire airline industry. I don't think so. Yeah. They're going to get a lot of their... Go, I might go like somewhere a little more esoteric into like that 100-year Austrian bond. But I'm not sure whether to be long or short it. I just know that there's convexity one way or the other. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, yeah. That's right. That's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, to lose the most. Where, where's the? Yeah, it depends on a little bit where the market is now, right? It's down a lot from what I saw, and it's rightfully so when rates move the way that they have. But like, if if you just try to, let's say you wanted to, probably shorting it would be might be the way to lose the most in a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got the leverage. Yeah. So you got um, some stuff with China exposure that's not impacted yet. Starbucks. I, Beyond's tough to beat. I think that product has no need in society. I saw Beyond jerky. <laughs> I almost took a photo of it. Oh yeah. What's that made out of? The leftover burger patties. They just they just let the Beyond meat dry up a little bit. I mean, there's a there's a chance that enough environmentalists want to get off meat and beyond can survive, but I don't know. It's one niche product. I don't know that that should be a publicly traded company. Doesn't it have all kinds of just gross oils in it too that like no you. one should yeah. be adjusting? People don't care about that. Aren't you trying to be Snowflake. healthy when you eat that? No, you're trying to save the planet from Could methane. Could be principle. Could be principle. Okay. Which I I can understand. I I uh, I don't. 
do things like that, but I, I understand collective action and being the person that starts it. I got a couple friends that stopped eating meat. So what'd I get you, what'd it. you have for dinner last night? Oh, so much beef and lobster. <laughs> Just killing the ocean. Yeah, it was I'm telling you, I ate enough to get gout. <laughs> it was awesome. What's uh there's a there's a snowflake has been nominated here. I don't know if that's long or short, but I'm guessing long. This I don't think people should be looking at the. I, I think Snowflake's probably closer to a buy than anything. So short would rip your face off. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's down twenty four percent and went public at that valuation. That's got to tell you something. And and, and uh, uh, Berkshire, one of the Berkshire boys is in there, right? At, at the at the at the listing. Yeah, I, I would we'll be much more interested in going long, really expensive SaaS right now than short it. Much more interested. Long it to lose money? No, no, just to be long. Okay, so we're not short it. We're not playing the lose money game now. No. Okay. Uh I mean, think about what that stuff has taken on the chin. I mean, like Snowflake, I mean, down 25% in this rate environment with that valuation. Like, if you don't think that the market sees something special there, I think you need to get your head checked. So, obviously, it needs to come true. But, like, I don't know. You think that's going to lose the most over the next 12 months? I don't think so. Catch down with all of its buddies that are already down 90%. I don't think that company goes down 90%. Maybe. Short Baba. This game was easier to play I don't know. A, a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Things were egregiously yeah. priced. Did you see uh there's that you know that I don't know what, what's the name for that? It's a bell curve and a two ends, it's got the moron and the genius both coming yeah. to the same conclusion. And yeah. midtwit has the complicated version. So both both moron and genius say to, uh, China's uninvestable, but the guy in the middle says at some risk adjusted point you you take a swing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like the guy right. in the middle. Like at some point, ah, like, we're the guy in the middle this whole time. I'm, I'm always Could have been a middle. Jedi. <laughs> I don't know. Russia was not priced in for U.S. investors. No, China so far hasn't been priced in. I, I don't. I think, I think whenever I've gotten these feelings of like, oh, geopolitical risk might be priced in. Fuck that. What do I know about that risk? Some bloke has asked me three times, Masood Barani, what's a game without? I've got a game without giving a prize. The prize is you get a shout out on the show in a year, if I remember. That's the prize. What you want? Yeah, there's there's no prize. Someone can, the winner will remind me. Yeah, you just got your you just got your name read out loud on the premier finance podcast in the world. People, to many, many people say, many people, many, say. many people, people say. are saying it. Yes, that's the prize, bro. <laughs> probably like drink a bottle of wine tonight and congratulate yourself for that kind of a shout out. That was huge. <laughs> I got a, I got my kids football practice after the game. You know, we, we, we prepared, we played well. Now we got to go back to practice. I got to figure out if I got to usurp this coach or not tonight. Oh. Yeah. Power, power play. Well, people you, said you got to should replace them cut off hoodie Belichick style dude you think I should go and like cut off jorts Belichick's uh his record since he lost Brady's not no bueno hmm it's got a losing record since he lost Brady Brady's record since he lost Giselle also not great uh, it's tough to perform it yeah you gotta short people in divorces always that's a rule is that happening are they getting divorced yeah Wow. Florida strikes oh, again. Things happen. Florida remains. That's not a Florida problem. Come on now. <laughs> Florida no. for the win. Lucid has a, a market cap problem. of 23 billion. Yeah. Some of those, some of those yeah. electric car companies, Neo, Lucid. Oh. Uh, Nicola's still out there with like a couple of billion dollars in market cap, I think. How? How? Uh, it's got good brand recognition. <laughs> for. <laughs> CEOs well known or ex CEO. How, uh, how's Rivian? What do they trade at? I told you guys Wrong. I saw that lucid. I saw a lucid in the wild. Looked all right. 
Ooh, 31 billion. A lot of net cash, though. Well, $18 billion enterprise value, but you don't have any sales, which is an issue. <laughs> That's as good as money, sir. They got a lot on the come, and their cars are getting rave reviews. So I I will... Was that the Rivian? Yeah, I will acknowledge that uh, betting that the future is brighter than the historical financials could be potentially a positive idea. How much is implied on the come from the eighteen billion dollar EV. What's what's Rivian? Yeah, you're uh, hoping market cap? Uh, eighteen eighteen. Well, the market cap's thirty one point five billion. They got it's set from like a hundred, right? It listed at a hundred. Yeah, or first traded at a hundred. Yeah, ninety three. Well, okay. What were we thinking? Well, we knew what was going on collectively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, makes market's sense thinking so long. There's definitely a uh, premium paid for the uh, prices over the assets for those companies. So it's, you're, in, you're encouraged to pump them out. All Rivians were recently recalled. I wonder if that's going to be. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was short. Don't fake news this. It was a software update. My buddy's dad has one. It was nothing. They recalled both of the cars that are out there? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, wow. Better to do it now than when there's a lot. Yeah, smart. Yeah, that's 3D chess. <laughs> yeah. Got a question for you. From Never Keith put Hunt. them out there; they can't get recalled. He wants to know, Bill, if you're turning back to value. I Bill never no. left. No, well, I'm not like I don't turn to anything. I mean, I I think if you're like when I screen stuff based on cheapness, it creates a, a thing in me where I overlook risks that I that I wouldn't overlook. I obviously think you should pay less than something's worth. I mean, that's not like brain surgery. Uh, I just often said that if you're doing it as a person, I'd turn it over to a computer. I, th I think it's a superior structure and it's tax advantaged if it's in an ETF. I, I don't I don't think I can outperform a computer doing val like value investing. It's... I'm not sure I can outperform any computer, which would be sweet because then I could just kind of turn it all over and be done. I, I, I tend to agree with you. However, I also believe that every once in a while, the market throws up these just no-brainer, obviously attractive opportunities. And if you're if you can afford to wait around for those and then pick them up when they become available, I think you can do just fine thinking for yourself without turning it all over to a, an algorithm. You got to swing so hard, though, man. Like on a risk-adjusted basis, I just don't know that it makes sense. For what? Like for me, for what? I mean, people like to hear me talk, but what am I doing? I'm not trying to raise money. Like it was a waste of fucking time. I do like everybody though. So that's why I like doing it. <laughs> There's got to be a cheaper way to make friends than to yeah, probably. get, get yeah. shellacked on a portfolio. <laughs> yeah. You wonder if I'm a value investor. I still own cable. How many people are that aren't value investors are down 70% on a what, stock? What are you in? Charter or Atis? Oh, no. I don't own Altice. Don't do that to me. Altice. I own Charter, which is uh, you, the next Altice. Yeah. <laughs> Got out I, own, I owned Altice. That I did do. But. Somebody points out that Cinches is what Munger calls those. So like Alibaba. All you got to do with Alibaba is get over the issue whether you actually get to hold on to your equity at the end or whether you, what you got is equity. Yeah. So how do you size something that could be a zero? Yeah, size it as an option position. It's not worth the fucking time, man. Just give it to a computer. Yeah, but it's like it's all the brain power that you got to spend thinking about whether or not China is going to like take your money for an <laughs> option position. But I don't think that you can spend like the, this is something that you can't reason to. There's yeah. just no, there's no, you can't collect it. That's why it's an option size position. It's like if it, it's undervalued, but it's got this un, unhandicappable risk attached to it. So you put it on as an option size position, which might be 3% or something like that. Buffett would or say you it's too hard, right? Go and stick it into your, uh, go and stick it into your uh, Kelly Kelly Criterion. Mm. When you I, wouldn't you say that like, do, is a straddle the right? I don't know these some of these option things as well as you guys do, but whatever the price is, it's it's wrong today. It's either yeah. worth way more or zero. So how do how do you structure a bet so that you get paid if it's this is today is the wrong price? Well, you're trying to have me tell you how to give Ben Eifert all your money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't do that. The, the problem <laughs> is that you got 
That's bait. <laughs> you probably can't do an option in this because if you put, if you're looking at the call, the call out, you know, the, the call's going to be a donut if you're wrong and you've got a timer on the call too. Like, say you've got to leap out two years. Yeah. Whereas it's a donut if you're wrong on the equity anyway, but the, the there's no two year time limit on it. So you just, you're already, you've already got that convexity in it because it's so undervalued relative to what it's worth. It's just the question of whether it, you can actually collect on that bet or not. So I think the, the option is the equity and you size it like it's an option size position. I'm not advocating uh, that anybody go and do this, by the way. This is just me talking out loud and I'm not going to go and do this. I'm just talking out loud. Yeah. Thinking out loud rather. Really? You actually don't even need to find out whether you have the the right to what you think you own. You just need everyone else to feel like less doubt about that situation. Nice. Now we're trading derivatives. I like yes. it. I like it. <laughs> it's a beauty contest. That's right. Yeah, time, I, fellas. I mean, yeah, I think a computer can do it. That's what I think. Beep, boop, we made boop, it. Boop, boop. Thanks, folks. <laughs> <laughs>